2: It's time to play the game. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rutgers Scout Cast, a Rutgers football and athletics podcast on the Scout Network. It's another Friday, and I'm excited this time because it is going to be a big episode for the Rutgers Scout Cast. I am your host, Scarlet Report publisher Sam Hellman, and you know what? I can't believe that we're already 25 weeks into this show. We've had some. Great guests on the show, everybody from Eric LeGrand to Darius Hamilton to Corey Sanders to my dad. And we have another really good guest this week, and that is Jonathan Lewis, the Rutgers quarterback commit in the 2017 class. He is from St. Peter's Prep in Jersey City. Not only do we have Jonathan Lewis but scout national recruiting analyst and Rutgers grad Brian Doan is back this week after a two-week absence from the show. Brian and I are going very football team heavy. We are talking about the two deep, the start of training camp. We're talking about Chris Ash, about quarterbacks. You're going to hear all of that after the Jonathan Lewis interview, but since this is such a a football, Rutgers football team-heavy conversation between Brian and myself, I want to touch on a few other Rutgers storylines that are on my mind. For those that follow Rutgers recruiting, I know it may seem like Rutgers is having a rough month in recruiting, which over the last week, things are not necessarily trending well for defensive tackle target. Fred Hansard, Rutgers lost one of its top 2018 targets, a local kid, South Brunswick wide receiver Justin Shorter, who committed to conference rival Penn State, which I know for a lot of Rutgers fans is a sign of frustration, and I know it caught a lot of people by surprise. I was surprised because Justin committed so early. He's someone I've known for a while, so it didn't surprise me when he picked Penn State. He grew up following that team, He wanted to get a little bit away from home. They they love what James Franklin is doing, uh, the facilities and the attendance there. I can't stress enough how much of a recruiting advantage that is for Penn State. What I will say about recruiting under Chris Ash right now is that there are going to be months or weeks that are frustrating. You don't get everyone. Even Ohio State has bad weeks in recruiting. It hasn't necessarily been a great month for Rutgers. The barbecue uh, on campus accomplished some things. It helped solidify some commitments and and gain some ground with some targets, build relationships with 2018s. But you don't win all the time, and every team loses targets. Whether it's Justin Shorter or even the whole, um, the whole. I don't even know how to describe it anymore. The shenanigans with Darius Stills and how weird and uncomfortable that was. I know I said a lot of people probably would have forgotten about that by now and and that's probably true so sorry for reminding you. I guess my point here is that yeah, Rutgers has dropped a little bit in the 2017 rankings. A few targets that were still on the board maybe are not trending in favor of Rutgers, but honestly, it's not a big deal. What Rutgers is doing in recruiting right now is such an improvement from the last couple years. I think that this class, no, it's not a top 20 class probably, but I think that what Rutgers is doing is best for business. And if you go into National Signing Day with the commits that Rutgers has right now and literally no one else, that's still one of the best classes that Rutgers has had in the last five or ten years. One more quick recruiting thought. I don't expect a ton of recruiting news through training camp. This is a very focused team on on this season. I know Chris Ash believes that this team can win. He wants to get this team ready, and that means, yeah, you're still talking daily with recruits, with your top targets, with commits, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily begging them to come visit you because you are focused on the now and not the future in training camp. So if you don't see massive visitor lists, don't, don't freak out because I think, I think, that that's by design for Rutgers. I'd also just like to mention quickly that if you are listening to this as it drops on Friday, if you're not a Scarlet Report member yet, you've got a couple hours now to jump on board with a really great opportunity. We're running a promotion through midnight today on Friday. Again, if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, buy one month and you get the next three free. So in essence, you are paid up through the college football season. Any questions about that, please contact me. Go to scarletreport.com, and we have a story on that for more information. Otherwise, it's about time to talk to Jonathan Lewis, the Rutgers quarterback commit. Let me tell you really quick about an opportunity that I think that fans need to check out. If you're a fan of teams other than Rutgers, if you like professional sports, then I think that this opportunity through Fan Essentials is something worth your time. If you're a sports gear guy and I know that you are out there, I am right there with you and I know a lot of other people are too. How would you like to get all of your team's favorite merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? I'm not talking Rutgers here. I'm talking professional sports. I know that you guys are out there excited for training camp, excited for the push towards the Major League Baseball playoffs. There's only one October, as they say, in hack country. Well, check out FanEssentials.net. All you do is you pick your favorite sports team and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to. And each fan box comes packed full with some amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan or it's a great way to gear up your own closet in getting ready for your favorite teams. Prices start at just $34.99 at FanEssentials.net But I've got a special offer for all of my Scarlet Report Rutgers ScoutCast fans out there. If you use my promo code SCARLET at checkout, you're getting 30% off your first month. That's 30% off of your team's gear. So visit fanessentials.net to get all of the essentials you need. And as a reward for listening to this weekly to our more loyal and more long-term listeners, here's another deal for you. To the first person that tweets me, at Sam Hellman Scout, I am going to give you the first month free. Congrats to Brian last week for winning the award. He knew Julian penix favorite Rutgers football player. And this week, the first person to tweet me about our last interview, Ryan Dunleavy, where would he go for his last meal at Rutgers? You tweet me the answer first, and I'll hook you up. So check out FanEssentials.net. Now, on to our interview with Jonathan Lewis. Welcome back to the Rutgers ScoutCast. I have a uh, very
1: special guest, one of our biggest guests so far, and that is Jonathan Lewis, quarterback at St. Peter's Prep. He is committed to Rutgers, one of the top targets in 2017. John, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited about this one, uh, John. I uh, I'm a big Rich Hansen fan at St. Peter's Prep. I've been following him, been following this school for a while since I started doing the whole recruiting thing. I guess obviously Rich Hanson's a guy that's helped you a lot, but tell me about some of your other influences. Who 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 inspires you as a high school quarterback? Um, as a high school
3: quarterback, someone who inspires me is probably like, uh, yeah, my family and stuff, and my uh coaches like outside of prep my coaches inside outside and inside of prep too
1: hey i i know i know you train with coach williams i know that your dad's a big influence for you you know tell me a little bit more about what you've learned about playing quarterback from everybody um what i learned is that quarterbacking
3: is just it's more than just throwing and like running offense it's more about you have to know every single every what everyone's doing because everyone's looking to you for guidance and uh and if you don't know what you're doing then you're you're in trouble if uh if you don't know what you're doing that means that your team doesn't know what they're doing either.
1: I I know leadership is huge for quarterbacks. Um I know you've gotten a lot of comparisons to Cardell Jones, especially with the whole Ohio State Rutgers connection. Who who do you look up to at quarterback? I would guess that you like Cardell Jones's game, but who else do you look at? Um I look
3: at a lot of uh, players. Um, I've got the pleasure to meet a few of them, uh, Deshaun Kaiser and uh, Deshaun Watson, because I went to Elite 11. They were one of the counselors. I also look up to Cam Newton
1: because I named my uh, highlight after him last year. I think we all look up to Cam Newton in some way or another. Um, I I look at St. Peter's Prep and – I've been doing this for a few years, so I've gotten to know a lot of you guys. And Brandon Wimbush is a guy that really impressed me, both as a football player and just as a person. Is that a guy that you look to at all?
3: Oh, yeah. He was my mentor. I had to. There was no no choice. Uh, he taught me a lot of
1: uh, great things when he was there prepping. What what kind of things did he teach you? Obviously, he had a very good high school career, and he's doing a great job so far at Notre Dame. Uh, what did you learn from him? I learned everything so far of uh from reading reading the
3: pocket. I mean reading the defense to scrambling out the pocket to uh reading the end to pull the ball. He also taught me like about like uh like how prep has helped him become the man he is today. And that's really helped me out too 'cause he uh he really like introduced me to like all the retreats that we have at Prep. So that is uh
1: benefiting me in the long run. Uh, last last prep question for you as we transition into the whole Rutgers commitment. Uh, K.J. Gray, what, what was he like to play with? How much of a weapon was he for you last year, and what have you been hearing from him about Rutgers so far?
3: Uh, K.J. is KJ's, uh, KJ's one of my closest friends when he was on the football team. Um, K.J. was uh, my go-to guy when it came down to it. Um, you saw it later on in the season, uh, and it was just amazing. Um, KJ, he's really been telling me about, like, all the stuff, well, not to do, because when he got there, he, uh, was late to a practice, and then it was basically hell for him, and he just, <laughs> all the, all the, like, all the stuff, what, to, like, what to do and what not to do once you get there, so it's really help. it's gonna really help me out when I get there.
1: Yeah, I know uh I know coach Ash runs a very tight ship. Do you like seeing that? Obviously Rutgers has had some problems the last couple of years with discipline so do you like that uh the Rutgers that you're going into is a very disciplined program?
3: Uh yes, I do. With uh coach Ash being so
1: disciplined,
3: it's like right back at home cuz that's how my parents are. What kind of influence. Uh coach Ash is a uh I always say he's a great guy. He's a great great coach. Um he really knows what it means to stay home and play and play for your home state. Um, he's getting all the good, good guys, including myself and a few others, from uh, New Jersey to stay home, and uh, we're loving it.
1: Hey, you mentioned other top players from New Jersey staying home. Obviously, you're one of them, but how excited are you to have Micah Clark protecting your blind side, to have Bo Melton to throw to? Everett Wormley, we saw in your commitment video. How excited are you about these guys? Well, I'm uh, ecstatic. It's, I can't wait. I just can't wait to get up there. Uh, last Rutgers question here. Uh, Coach Drew Maringer is really changing the offense at Rutgers. He wants a guy really like you that can run, can throw, that can make quick decisions. What do you like about Coach Maringer's vision for Rutgers?
3: Uh, what I like, uh, Coach Maringer. Not afraid to chuck the ball down the field, even though, like, chuck the ball on the field from the from the get go. Um, we he, I saw that in the spring game. It was one, their first play was a uh, was a home run, and uh, and with sitting through their meetings, he's a really really young, energetic coach that I can really relate
1: to. Uh, I guess uh, just a couple more questions here, Jonathan. Again, we're talking to Jonathan Lewis. Rutgers quarterback commit. He's one of the star players for St. Peter's prep this season. What is your focus now that you're heading into your final training camp with St. Peter's prep? Uh, focus is, uh, giving my all
3: 100%. More than 100. 110% all the time. It's my last year and I, and I can't, I can't go out without a ring.
1: There are some really good players in New Jersey, whether it's what you guys are doing at Prep, or or Tommy DeVito at Don Bosco, or the talent that's growing at DePaul or or Montvale? How excited are you for the the competition that you're facing this year?
3: I'm very excited. All
1: this competition,
3: especially that we're out out of our conference now, and we're playing all the private private schools and uh all the hard hard top schools in New Jersey is just going to get us uh
1: get us uh started onto our college seasons. John, I ask the same three questions every time I do an interview for this podcast—the three Rutgers questions to end the interview. Um, my, my first question to you is: When you look at Rutgers football or, or Rutgers athletics, do, do you have a favorite player? Probably Janarian Grant. Well, what makes you say that? So from last
3: year, well, I saw his uh, highlight. He's like one of the best returners in the
1: in college football right now. He's a, he's been a popular answer on this show. Um, moving to my my second question here, what's your what's your favorite memory when you think about Rutgers football? I, I have a guess of what your answer will be, but when you think Rutgers so far, what's your favorite memory about the program? I would say my commitment there, but
3: I when I was a kid, I used to I used to go to Rutgers games all the time with my teammates. Um, when coach Gianna used to coach and my one of my coaches used to play there while while he was still coaching us and uh that was probably like the best experience i had that was like my first time really like seeing Rutgers
1: football cool man hey uh last question here johnson it's a little bit of a weird one but uh what's your favorite meal if you're going to Rutgers or taking an unofficial visit to campus uh, what would you try and eat what would you uh what would be your favorite meal at Rutgers? um probably I always,
3: every time I go to Rutgers, they always have like these chicken fingers and uh, I always make a burger and they always put the little chicken fingers and fries in it. So it's, us. Uh, it's I basically just call it a stacked
1: burger. It's amazing. <laughs> make your own fat sandwich. I really appreciate the effort there, Jonathan.
2: Well, folks, unfortunately for you, we now transition from our Great interview with Jonathan Lewis to a conversation between myself and Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan, who's back. <laughs> I am back. Nice and relaxed, and uh, hope you had a good
0: time away from me, Sam. It's like a vacation for yourself when I go on vacation.
2: Or it's twice as much work, but I guess you can look at that either way.
0: Well, I've just figured twice as much work, but you don't have to deal with me. That's a win-win.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess you could put it that way. Um but you are back now, and training camp is underway, and obviously that is our focus this week, talking about Rutgers football, talking about everything that's Rutgers training camp. Brian, I know that you and I are the people that really follow this team, Are probably weren't surprised by a lot of what was announced with the two deep and the start of training camp. But to the casual person, I think that there probably were some surprises, and I guess it starts with the inevitable quarterback conversation that we're about to have. So what are your thoughts on the quarterback, Brian?
0: I know people don't like to talk much about the quarterback, so we'll get through this quickly. But, you know, in thinking about Laviano or Zach Allen, I mean, you got to create competition. That's the one thing that you know with Chris ash is he's going to create competition, which is why you're listed as an or. After I was able to digest it, what does it say about Hayden Reddick, that he's listed third or fourth because he's an or with, Giovanni Rossigno.
2: Yeah, watching reps, he was the third-team quarterback to start camp, but, yeah, you could look at it either way. I mean, so you're the third-team guy. You've been there for two
0: years, and you're behind a guy who spent the last few years playing receiver. who's been there for two minutes? What does that tell you? I was a harsh critic of Kyle Flood, and I remain a harsh critic of Kyle
2: Flood. Yeah, I don't remember that.
0: But – you know, you're starting to see why Chris Laviano is the quarterback and was the quarterback. There's no competition there. I mean, Zach Allen, if Zach Allen wins the job, great
2: for him. But what a huge indictment that would be on Chris Laviano. Look, Hayden Redding's a really entertaining guy. He's very engaging. I love talking to him. I think he has an NFL-level arm when it comes to his arm strength. But it doesn't matter how hard you throw. It matters how you run an offense. It matters how how you lead a team. And as much as, uh, like you said, we've been critical of Kyle Flood. his whole thing was you win the locker room, you win the quarterback job. And Hayden Redding never came close to that. Uh, this locker room rallied around Chris Aviano last year. Leonte Carew was very candid in saying that this is the guy that we think going to win, and he was saying that kind of stuff after his final game. He could have said anything he wanted, and he chose to continue to put over Chris Laviano as the starter. Uh, you look at Hayden Reddick, and again, look, again, arm strength. I get it, and I get that if you watched his games, he made throws where the offense scored, but there's so much more than putting up points you know, against a 1AA team and not even making the calls where you're doing it.
0: <laughs> well, when the tight end's making some of the calls for you, oh boy. But, you know, you look at that, and, and I look at there's some really interesting things on the two deep, and that's not in a good way. I mean, I, I'm looking at the offensive line where, yeah, you have Heeman, Muller, Nelson, you know, Dory Miller to listed as your starters. But beyond that, and again, this is a training camp two deep where Manny Taylor is the number two left tackle. Well, now, if something were to happen, I could see, you know, maybe Marcus Applefield shifts over to there. Maybe Zach Heeman shifts over to there. But you look at it, Manny Taylor, redshirt freshman. Zach red redshirt freshman. Jonah Jackson, redshirt freshman. Marcus Applefield, sophomore. And then J.J. Denman, fifth-year senior, behind a sophomore and Zach Heeman. And I like Zach Fineski a lot. I think Jonah Jackson and Applefield have chances to be, you know, pretty good players. But it's alarming how young and inexperienced they are on the offensive line beyond the first five. I mean, it is is scary. And then you look at the defensive line. Darnell Davis, Eric Waif, Kevin Wilkins, Rondell Carter. Wow. I mean, you're going to see... A lot of depth issues as this season goes along,
2: and I think um, I think that's scary. Yeah, they have some good players in the trenches. I mean, they just don't have enough of them, right? This offensive line doesn't have a ton of experience, but I also expect that because you're looking for different things now out of your offensive line. This is a spread offense. You need guys that can get down the field, and you need guys that are athletic, can spread out. It's not just the classic powerful 6'8", 350 pound left tackle bookend, you need a guy that can move. That's why I like Tariq recall and I like Zach Heeman, but these guys have a combined like 40 snaps of experience. So that's gonna be a challenge. I think that interior-wise, I think this is one of the better offensive lines in the Big Ten. They're still undersized, but they're very experienced. They're versatile. This staff seems to really love Derek Nelson, both as a, as a leader and what he can do as a center. Dorian Miller has had a very good offseason, and Chris Muller, I think it says a lot that Chris Ash was willing to put him back as a starter without ever seeing him really play, because he didn't do that for J.J. Denman when J.J. Denman got hurt, had you know his other problems, and is now a second-team guy. Chris Muller, on the other hand, he didn't play in spring really at all, but he still retains that job over Marcus Applefield, who had a very good spring.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. The offensive line will not be what we're talking about much during the season because there'll be holes other places. And I look, and I know everybody's all wound up about Josh Hicks. Look, right. there's messages that are sent. All right, Josh Hicks got to get some things in order. If you're going to sit here and say that Justin Goodwin is better than Josh Hicks, um, I don't know what to tell you, because you've seen it over the years that Hicks is better. He, you know, Him and Martin are 1-1-A one one to me, but the thing that really concerns me from an offensive standpoint, outside of the quarterback, which I would not be surprised if Tyler Oden's playing in October. Not at all. You don't? I mean... I mean, I, let's see what happens in September, and if they're not getting what they want in September, get the kids some experience. I think that's the way it goes, but... Beyond that, who are the playmakers A receiver? I mean, Vance Matthews, Carlton Agadosi, Andre Patton, Jawan Harris, who you know nothing about whether he can do it or not. Janarian Grant, who I know everybody loves, but let's be honest of who Janarian Grant is. He's a straight-line kid who struggles catching the ball beyond five yards from the line of scrimmage, does not run great routes because he struggles getting in and out of breaks. He's got great straight line speed, and because he returns kicks for touchdowns, everybody thinks he's a playmaker on offense, and I don't see it that way. Who are these playmakers? Who's going to be? I mean, the problem with this offense is you're going to have to string together a lot of eight and nine play drives to score touchdowns, and I don't know if they're good enough to be consistent to do that on a regular basis. That's what my big
2: concern is. You guys heard Andre Patton on this show two weeks ago say, Look, I love what we're doing at receiver because everyone's getting a chance. Well, you know why everyone's getting a chance is because no one has stepped up in one playing time. I think it says a lot that Jay Harris, who not only had a suspension problem while he was playing baseball but wasn't really around this spring, he's already on the two deep ahead of guys like Dante Owens and Rashad Blunt that were brought in and have experience in this program. I think it says a lot about Harris and also some of the guys that were recruited while Rutgers was struggling to recruit the wide receiver position. Now, Janarian Grant, I know I've said this multiple times, and I know people are excited about him. I said that I think he could be an all-conference guy, uh, especially as a kick returner. I think he's an All-American candidate. But there's a reason you call those things bold predictions. It's because it's such a long shot to actually happen. I think that he has the potential to have an outstanding season. He's going to be the focal point of this passing offense. But like you said, he, he hasn't shown he can catch the ball beyond 10 yards. Um, Jafar Williams talked to us in the spring, the wide receivers coach, and said, look, his hands are significantly improved. He has one of the best catch percentages of all our wide receivers. Yeah, that's because they're all five-yard passes. <laughs> that is true. And, and so that, that
0: fits into them, whether they can get them the ball in space. But other teams are going to know that there's not a lot of playmakers, and so they're going to be able to pay a little more special attention. And if Janarian Grant was a special offensive talent, to where he could be a game-breaker, we would have seen it by now. Now, it doesn't mean he won't have a good season because somebody's got to catch the ball. I mean, you're still going to complete 50% of your passes. You're still going to throw, you know, probably complete 18 to 20 passes a game with how much they're going to throw. So somebody's got to catch the ball. Um, I I just want to see it from him. I I, I just worry so much about this team's offense. Between quarterback and receiver, uh, it's just I, I don't know where the playmakers are.
2: Uh, last, My last thought on the offense before we talk a little bit of defense. There's a couple guys that I think you should keep an eye on that file away that either aren't prominently placed or aren't on the two deep. First off, talking running backs, uh, Josh Hicks was working really basically fifth team uh, behind Snorway and another guy that I really like, which is Trey Snead. The staff seemed to love Trey Snead in spring. He was the, the third guy in behind Goodwin, and he's already really uh, proved himself in a lot of ways to the staff. I don't think it's going to be game one or two or three, but I think by October, he's going to be a major part of this offense. Also, do not forget the name DeCoven Bailey. I got my first look at him in person at training camp, and he does not look like a freshman. He is one of the better track athletes in Texas. He plays Texas football. I think that he is a guy that beyond Janarian Grant and John Simmons and Jay Harris, I think he's really the future of that slotback position.
0: No, that's a good call. I've heard a lot of good things about Bailey from some people that have been uh, paying attention closely. I'm, I'm curious to see him. I'm excited to see him on Saturday when I get out to practice. Defensively, now Sam, you may have to sit down for this, but I'm going to take the positive route to start off on defense.
2: Well, you are the positive guy now.
0: I am. And I look at the secondary, and I'm not nearly as concerned as I once was with the secondary. You know, Isaiah Wharton, I think he's really good. I think at the end of the day, if it was a perfect personnel situation, he'd be playing safety. But I like them a lot. I thought he grew really well as a corner. I thought he got a lot better during the season as a corner last year. I love Bless you on Austin. I think Rutgers got a real steal in him. Um, he's got great length, and he, he got better. Chaffee at safety. I um, He's done a good job there. I'd, I'd still like to see more. I hope the immaturity of years past has gone with him when he got suspended for the Army game. I, I hope that stuff's over with and I'm really excited to see Saquon Hampton in a in a big role as long as he plays there. And, and then you're, you're talking about, you don't even we haven't even mentioned Ross Douglas, Kai Hester, or Kobe Marfo. Kobe Marfo, your guy. That's my guy. Juco guy. They're all listed as backups right now. That's some pretty good depth. And, yeah, I know they listed as a 4-3 defense, but you're going to see a lot of nickel and stuff like that. And I do feel like they have some pretty good depth in the secondary. Um, and unlike years past, I think we won't have any surprises with mass arrests as training camp moves on.
2: Yeah, because you look at the, the the two deep going into training camp last year, and it wasn't that bad at secondary either. But then, well, you know what happened after that. I like the secondary. I think that the fact that Ross Douglas does not begin, um, begin his Rutgers career as a starter is a good sign because he's going to have to earn it. Uh, Zach Allen obviously came in and was immediately a starter, but it's a totally different situation because at – corner, and in the defensive secondary, Rutgers has players that have already proven themselves. And it
0: it tells you they're working hard in the secondary, and
2: maybe not all the quarterbacks are. Right. But Kobe Marfo jumping in there right away as I just totally moved past that line from you. I'm a little surprised to see Kobe Marfo in there right away because there's other corners that have been with this team for a while. I think it says a lot about what Chris Ash is looking for in corners. He's putting his guy in there right away. And, I mean, Marfo has a little bit of experience playing Juco, but he's not... He's not a guy that's played a lot of Big Ten football. I, I, I don't buy the putting his guy in there. I, I just don't buy it because
0: coaches are going to put in the best player. They're not putting in their guy. If somebody was better than Kobe Marfo, he'd be playing. And when you say his guy, and I don't think you meant it this way, but, when, but I don't want people to misinterpret it. When you say his guy, it makes it seem like he's playing ahead of somebody that's better. Um, you know, Kobe Marfo has worked hard. He developed late as a player, which is why he was at JUCO. And look, is he the best player? I don't think so. But he does have depth. And he's, look, they want guys at corner who can jam and play man coverage. If you can do that, you can play for Chris Ash. And it doesn't matter if you're 5'10 or 6'2. Obviously, you like six 6'2 because of the size. But I think with a guy like Marfo, um, he can provide some depth for you and learn. And like I said, you're going to play a lot of nickel and a lot of fast pace. And if you think you're going to survive playing with three corners all year or even in a game, you're nuts. So I, I think it's good. I think it's I think it's nice. The one guy we haven't talked about, Sam, Zane Campbell on the two-deep
2: at three safety. And that's where I disagree with you about feeling good about the depth of the secondary is you have Zane Campbell as a backup safety and he's behind a guy, Saquon Hampton, that's never really played a game for Rutgers. I get that Kai Hester is back there and I think he's somewhat in that category of the Josh Hickses of the world that need to prove something to a new coaching staff. I think Kai Hester has worked very hard this offseason, but there's more work to be done. I wouldn't be surprised if this is setting up for some true freshmen to find playing time in the secondary, whether it's if KJ Gray uh, is able to adjust to that position at safety. And you guys already heard that part of that adjustment uh, is, you know, maybe being on time for team meetings you know, it's not just football stuff with these freshmen, but maybe maybe Damon Hayes plays a little safety just to get him used to it. I think that that safety position, backup safety, is where you maybe work in some freshmen this season.
0: Yeah, I don't think – I mean, we're not talking about the Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor secondary here, what I'm saying is going to be good. And if your big issue is Zane Campbell is the back up free safety, going into the spring, if you would have told me that, I'd be like, ah, fuck you. That's pretty good. Now, if you move up to the next level and you talk about linebackers, oh Nellie, you can take this one.
2: Well, I'll tell you what about corner just real quick. I'd rather be uh, examining the issues at backup safety than talking about running back Justin Goodwin starting against Washington State. So I think that there's some improvements there. (laughs) But linebacker, you know what, I'm going to agree with what Jay Neiman said in spring, that linebacker is a mess. They've improved a lot from January to August, but they haven't improved nearly enough to really replace what Rutgers was last year, which was two fringe NFL guys and then a, a smart middle linebacker in Kwon Lewis that had his moments.
0: It wasn't like, Kwon Lewis's fault he couldn't get to the
2: sideline. He just didn't have the speed. Right. That's the nice way of putting it. Now, there's a lot of speed at linebacker now, and I love that. And... I believe that the three starting linebackers put on probably a combined 60 pounds this offseason or close to it. Like me, go to the grease trucks. Exactly. Uh, but here's the thing. You're still talking about 227-pound Niji Clayton at that hybrid position who is a converted safety that only played special teams last year and only did it for the last two games of the season. Why you blew his red shirt at that point? Wow. Thanks, Kyle. Um, Trevor, can we talk about that with other players I mean, we, we can spend yeah, a podcast just we, talking about players
0: that got screwed over with burnt red shirts in the last couple games
2: we could do that, maybe that's a podcast for another day because we only have so many minutes on this show every week, uh, Trevor Morris has never played, Deontay Roberts started one game when Steve Longa didn't want to play against Army well, they, they, they're struggling here but I think that they've at least put guys in the right positions, you're not asking people to do things they can't You're just asking them to step it up. I think that every starter at linebacker is in the right spot to make plays. They've just never done it before.
0: I agree. And I actually like Dante Roberts a lot. And I think when I look back, I probably underrated him in rankings. Um, He's really come on. Well, he committed
2: to Rutgers, so you had to drop him.
0: Well, there is that. Um, That's a mandatory drop. Trevor Morris good player. I want to see if he has the speed um, and the hip flexibility to really change directions, but that's not really my concern Linebacker linebacker, Sam. Uh, Trevor Mars, Deontay Roberts, Najee Clayton. You know, I could see him growing into the position and this year maybe it's going to be a struggle because they're all new to it. Um, my concern? Backups. Greg Jones, Kevin Marquez, Brandon Russell. Oh boy. I mean, that's big issue. The linebacker depth is an enormous issue. It's why the staff could bring in as many as four linebackers in this next class. The linebacker position is terribly depleted, doesn't have much depth,
2: and is just scary. Yeah, Rashawn Battle and Tyreek Williams are were good gets for Chris Ash, late, and I say late because Battle was obviously looking around, looking right. at Cattle, Ka- looking at a couple schools, um, but they're not ready. The biggest absence here is TJ Taylor, who I think will work his way back into the mix. But look, you saw in spring; those of you that watch the spring game, or just from hearing from us, he, he wasn't healed from his ACL. And well, I...
0: that's the whole thing. I mean, you don't, you can't expect him to be healthy, and with the career he's had.
2: Why would you expect him to be healthy again? Right. Uh, so, look, it's not good. You've got converted fullback Kevin Marquez as your backup. Mike. You've got Greg Jones, who is a walk-on transfer that played at you know Middlesex. It was a play. Well, he didn't play there, but he attended Middlesex two years ago. It's been his dream to play at Rutgers, and that's great. But he's also a 204-pound linebacker that was primarily a running back in college. Uh, defensive line, though as we close this look at the depth chart and get ready for our mailbag segment, I'm just going to say I like the depth. I I don't really care if Darius Hamilton's healthy or not because we've discussed it so much. The most interesting thing to me is not that Kamoko Ture is off the two deep. That's not a surprise at all. It's that Kevin Wilkins and Eric Waif are flipped in their roles as backups. I think that says a lot about Kevin Wilkins because he's now the primary backup to Darius Hamilton which essentially makes him a projected starter in some ways.
0: Like I mentioned,
2: you're looking at depth
0: issues everywhere. It's not the starters, it's the, it's the depth. I don't know who on the defensive line is going to be able to get to the passer. Who, who, who do you sit there and say, okay, this guy is going to create problems on the edge? That's a big issue. I mean, Julian Panisodric, that's not who he is. Bonzel Lambert, that's not who he is. You go through the middle, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you're going to get out of Darius Hamilton this year. Um, I I just don't, I I think the defensive line will be okay against the run, but I think it'll be an absolute nightmare against the pass. And I think teams will just sit back and say, you know what? We're just going to try to pick them apart because we talk about the secondary and, and I think it's, you know, better than what I anticipated but if you're going to ask somebody to cover for five seconds you're in a lot of trouble and then can you dial up blitzes and we don't know enough about Morris Roberts or Clayton to know if they can blitz or not and how successful they'll be at it I'm curious to see how they handle this defensively as far as how much pressure they want to bring how much do they want to bend and not break just how they're going to do it but I I look at the defensive line and I don't I, I see a lot of decent players there I don't see anybody that really excites me and I know people are going to say well Darius Hamilton well look, the last time we saw Darius Hamilton play healthy he was 250 pounds he wasn't having knee issues left and right uh, this is a guy who basically has not been able to do anything you know he hasn't been able to practice like a regular football player in what, 18 months?
2: I guess it goes back to spring of 2015. Yeah, that's what I mean,
0: 18 months. And so I look at the defensive line and I see some decent, you know, good players, but games are won up front. I think I'm really concerned about how do they get pressure on the quarterback.
2: And welcome to the Rutgers Mailbag segment, where we take your questions and we break it down. We go on topic, we go off topic. And as always, send your questions at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter or through the Scarlet Report Premium Forums. Again, like I mentioned, uh, we've got another couple hours, if you're listening on Friday, for our four-for-one deal. So make sure to check that out or hit me up for more details. But Brian, our on-topic question this week was addressed specifically to you, and it's from... Super. It's from R.U. Grimes, and I think this is from your really good premium Q&A that you did earlier this week. Why do you still see Paramus Catholic defensive tackle Corey Bolds as a guy that could be projected to Rutgers? Because a lot of other
0: schools have slowed the recruitment of him. He is showing Rutgers a ton more interest right now than he had um, early spring, He's excited about Rutgers. He's hearing a lot of good things about Rutgers. He likes the idea of staying home. And I think the big thing, though, is I think a lot of other schools that he anticipated being interested are filling up. And the school that has continued to recruit him the hardest and the school that he's really bonding well with now is
2: Rutgers. So that's why I think it. I guess what I would say about Corey Bolds, and you know, we'll continue to follow his recruitment, and that's one that's not going to end until signing day when it comes to a final decision. When you look at Paramus Catholic and you look at the culture there, it was the Jabril Peppers show for a while. But when Jabril Peppers went to Michigan, the guy that rallied Ooh. that team together was Najee Clayton. And Najee Clayton loves it at Rutgers now. He's good friends with Corey Bolds, and I think that your players are your best recruiters.
0: The key word that you said there is now. Exactly. Because it wasn't always like that, and I think you hit it on the head. And, and I think I think Paramus Catholic was coached a lot like Rutgers was coached last year. And to see the change that's gone on at Rutgers, I think that's something that Corey Bolds embraces.
2: Yes, I completely agree. And going off topic this week... The question was directed to me on Twitter from Chuck, uh, but, Brian, you can weigh in as well. Really? You think I'll have an opinion on something? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, The question is, uh, Sam, you've been critical of Ash's media policies. Are there any changes he made that you actually like? As far as media policies, not really, no. But I guess the one thing that I would have to credit him with, and I think it's been great so far, is the... Chance to talk to assistant coaches. I think it was insane to not allow assistant coaches to talk. I think it hurt recruiting, and I think it just created unnecessary animosity between media and the school. Uh, I would say that interviews with Aaron Henry and A.J. Blazik from spring, probably two of the best Rutgers-related interviews I've done this year. So I look forward to more of that, and hopefully that availability continues throughout the season. Here's what I know about media policies.
0: Every coach is paranoid of the media, doesn't matter if they get along with them, not get along with them, and they want to minimize what they view as distractions. I'm from the school of, I don't know how six guys and gals sitting on bleachers 60 yards from practice distracts a team. I I don't understand it, I never understood it, and it goes back to when Pete Carroll was winning national championships at USC, and every practice was open. And he used to let any player talk to the, to the media through Thursday. And I was covering UCLA at the time. And UCLA, would only, and UCLA would only let its quarterbacks talk through Tuesday. And I said to the coach at UCLA, when I wanted to talk to a quarterback later in the week, I said, I wonder how many national championships Pete Carroll would have won if his quarterbacks weren't allowed to talk on Thursday. I don't get it. I respect that it's the decision of the coach to run the program that he wants the way he wants to um, and set his own policies. I respect that and and they have reasons. All coaches have reasons for it. The last coach was just trying to be confrontational with the media and that's why he closed it. Chris Ash is not that guy. It's a very different vibe. He gets along well with the media right now. But I don't get it and I don't think I'll ever understand it because everybody can do it differently, and everybody wins doing it different ways, so I don't think there's a right way and a wrong way. I just don't get why you would want to limit access during training camp, which is basically a month-long commercial for your program.
2: Yeah, in terms of distractions, I think that having the, you know, four people that cover Rutgers watching practice isn't nearly as distracting as the two youth baseball teams that were watching the first practice that were allowed to stay long after the media, but again, it's up to Chris Ash; he's in charge, and you look at the changes that he's made, and more of them have worked than haven't so far, so you know what, it happened. And at the end of
0: the day, you're not judged on your media policy, you win, nobody will care,
2: you lose, people will want a new coach anyway, and not this year, but I mean in the long run. Well, some people will want a new coach after the Washington game, but that's every fan base.
0: No, no, they'll want a new coach
2: after Saturday's open practice. Okay, well, another week and another show that I had a lot of fun recording for you. It was honestly a little tough finding time to do it this week with how hectic training camp becomes. But fear not, we're not skipping podcasts. We're not blowing things off because we're busy with training camp. We're going to keep doing this every week, and we appreciate your support. Speaking of support, I continue to say the best way to help me out with this show or keep this show on the air is by spreading the word. And whether that's telling your friends about it, giving us a five-star review in iTunes. If you're going to give us a one-star, then I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass on that request. But please review us, rate in iTunes and on Stitcher. Tell your friends, retweet, whatever you can do to help spread the word about the show. I appreciate it. We're gaining listeners every week, but we're nowhere near where I think – this show can be as your flagship Rutgers Athletics podcast. Uh, make sure that you thank our guest this week, Jonathan Lewis, and when I say that, in no way, let me be clear, in no way am I endorsing that Rutgers football boosters, yes that includes season ticket holders, contact recruits on social media. With that said, to quote a hero of mine, that rule for the NCAA, it's for stupid idiots. It's totally unenforceable, and it is what it is. So if that's something that you choose to do, you choose to do it. Again, I I don't, you don't have my endorsement, but I don't care. It's whatever you want to do. It's 2016. It's the internet. Deal with it. Uh, what I would do is, uh, you know, retweet it, t- talk about how you like it on social media. I know it's going to get back to Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan is very happy with the level of support he's gotten from Rutgers fans. He already expects to have some of you guys come check him out this season playing for St. Peter's Prep. Maybe not all the way out in Ireland, but I'll tell you what, Caven Point in Jersey City, very easy drive. If you get there early enough and find parking, it's a great place to watch a high school football game. It's going to be very football-heavy, real football-heavy moving forward on this podcast as we get closer to kickoff against Washington, and I think that's exciting. I'm toying with the idea of adding a second podcast each week once the season starts, and that's just going to be a game breakdown. My thoughts from being at these games, from watching how everything plays out, maybe some interview segments. If that's something that you're interested in, please let me know. Uh, I'm going to toy with that and try and build it into something over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Again, if you're interested in gearing up for the NFL season, if you're a big NBA nerd like I am, uh, you're a big baseball fan as the Mets – Don't push to the playoffs, and neither do the Yankees. Check out our Fan Essentials deal with my promo code SCARLET. I think that it's a pretty good deal. At least go to their website, fanessentials.net, and check it out to see if you're interested in it. Again, that's a really great way to support the show. Enough plugs, enough thank yous. Although I do appreciate you tuning in each and every week, especially if you made it this far. You truly are a P1 super fan, a phenomenal one. So once again, I am Scarlet Report publisher, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?